With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I've got a deeper love, a deeper love, a deeper love inside. And I call it back a deeper love, a deeper love, a deeper love.
trying to survive. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to The Recovery Corner. I am your host, Tanya Wilson, also known as Authoress Tanya Wilson, author of the book, The Time Is Now. The Recovery Corner is proudly brought to you by The Literary Corner. We also provide a diverse platform to bring awareness to socioeconomic issues within our community, Christian values, promotion of small businesses, and support of nonprofit organizations. Our partnering NOP, the Theodore House, provides invaluable services for people who suffer with addictions, mental health, homelessness, and HIV. For more information, please contact Ms. Tamika Randall at www.theodorahouse.org. And we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. So right in the building, House of Stone by Coco. I'm going to show you. She going to show you. We going to show you how we do this, huh? What? Yo, this bling be the illest. Coco House of Stone got a feeling. Step up in the room. Royal like a queen. Rockin' House of Stone, girl, you know you reign supreme. Red carpet jewels. Finest of quality. Necklace so reckless. I know you seen the rosary designer for celebrity. Pieces on the runway. Tracy Lynn was so back when you gotta grow up someday. Big girl accessories. Always on fleek. Not the average, but the baddest chick. The ones who like to be unique. We don't follow the crowd. We set the trends. Other fashions bow down. House of Stone will never be. My bad, with this commercial interrupt, I'm just trying to be your friend, help you step your game up. When you put on House of Stone, get ready for your close-up. Trendsetters, go get his ladies in the know. House of Stone stands alone, I just thought I'd let you know. I think I said too much, you need to catch your breath, nobody does it better. Yo, House of Stone is the best, this is the soul writer. And I'm here with my girl Coco, House of Stone by Coco, that is. She's got the flyest bling on the planet, yo, she kicking down doors. In magazines, on the runway, celebrity jewelry designer. And I'm trying to put you down with games. On Facebook, House of Stone by Coco. Instagram, House of Stone by Coco. Twitter, House of Stone by Coco. Yo, it's real easy. And if you're really trying to holler at my girl, then holler at your girl, the soul writer. And I'll put you in direct contact with none other than the lady herself. Now, when you step outside, your fashion needs to be standing on a firm foundation, and it gets no firmer than the house that Coco built. Yo, check it. I'ma show you, huh? She gonna show you what? We gonna show you how we do this, huh? What? House of Stone by Coco. It doesn't get any better than the best. <laughs> welcome, welcome back to the Recovery Corner. I am your host. Author is Tanya Wilson, and my guest panelist for this evening is Joy Forrest. Joy Forrest is an experienced Bible study teacher, writer, and speaker. She has spoken in many venues from women's Bible studies and retreats to prisons, radio, and television. As a former community educator of a domestic violence shelter, Joy is equipped to speak on serious issues like physical and emotional abuse. 
But her message is relevant to women from all walks of life. Believing that too many fail to walk in the abundant life God offers his children, she focuses her lesson on practical steps to victory. Her passion is to help people overcome thoughts, choices, and strongholds that prevent them from realizing God's best for their lives. Joy holds an MA in Biblical Counseling from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary and has served in church counseling ministry since 2004. In January 2015, she helped to establish Call to Peace Ministries to help women and children transition out of crisis. She and her husband, Nathan, who also goes by Rusty, are members of Hope Church of Riley, C-E-P-C. They have five grown children and nine grandchildren. For more information or to request a speaking engagement, visit www.joyfulsurrender.com. And ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you Joy Forrest. Why, thank you, Tanya. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on the Recovery Corner to share your story with us this evening. And um, my first question I have is, where were you born and raised, and what was your childhood like? Well, I was born in um, Macon, Georgia. Um, my father was a pastor when I was a young child, mm-hmm. and um, we he pastored in a couple of churches in the South. Um, mm-hmm. He ended up leaving the ministry because he was preaching civil rights in a church full of Klansmen, and they didn't like that. So we kind wow. of got run out of town. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. We sort of got run out of town, and he left the ministry after that and went into psychology. So then I um, grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is near Fort Bragg. Mm -hmm. And so um, my childhood, I was, um, I would say that I was, uh, I was a very rebellious (laughs) preacher's kid when I was a preacher's kid, and then I got even more rebellious when when he left the church. (laughs) Oh wow! (laughs) Yes. So um, what? Um, how did you get started with the uh, biblical counseling or what, you know, made you want to go into that field? Well, my background, when I was 14 years old, I met, uh, first of all, I became a Christian. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, knowing him, you know, really changed my life. I always felt there was something missing. And and Mm -hmm. when I found him, that thing that was missing disappeared but around this a few months later I ended up meeting um, the guy who would become my husband and you know I was one of four children didn't get a lot of attention at home and he gave me so much attention so um, you know I thought well this must be true love well it turned out to be quite abusive and so oh, I wow. um, ended up being married you know we dated for eight years then got married um, mm-hmm. and were married for 15 years Okay. <clears throat> but you know it became not only physically it was physically and emotionally abusive 
Um, probably even while we were dating, it was emotionally abusive. He didn't uh, lay a hand on me until we'd been married for two years. Um, But anyway, going through all of that, um, I had, you know, I had another profession and didn't really enjoy it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I've always had some desire to minister to people. So um, when I got out of that other situation, I had volunteered to help the a friend of mine who was in an abusive situation, mm-hmm. and I took her up to the local um, domestic violence shelter, and I told them, listen, I'm interested in helping. I'm w- willing to volunteer if you ever need anything. And they called mm-hmm. me a couple of weeks later and asked me to speak at their um, annual candlelight vigil to honor mm-hmm. uh you know, victims of domestic violence. So I went right. up and spoke, and then two weeks later they called and offered me a job. <laughs> wow. So I ended up working as their community educator for a year, and that really educated me. And, you know, in the right. meantime I'm trying to help churches understand, you know, how to deal with domestic violence, and they just didn't seem to get it. Mm. So, um you know, and 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 I didn't go to seminary right away. I I did that. I was very frustrated, mm-hmm. and I kept trying to minister within you know the churches that I was in at the time, and mm-hmm. did a lot of counseling within the churches. Um, and, well, I started um, going to seminary. I guess at some point, I, I, and I mean it was truly a call from God. There was no denying it. Um, I um, <clears throat> knew that I needed to go to seminary, and. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I I think it's just because um, I feel like that maybe I have more of a voice because I have been trained and people are maybe right. they're a little more willing to listen to me because I feel like right. I still have the same thing to say I had before. <laughs> before but you I went just to have the degree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so um. So, <laughs> so um, can you tell me um, what type of um? How old were you when you first got married? When I first got married, I had um we both went, you know, we went to college and graduated, so I was I think I was 23. Okay. And uh so um but so <laughs> didn't have very much peace that, about marrying. Like far as the do- domestic violence goes, does it usually start off as emotional abuse and progress? Yes. Um, in fact, um, for me, see, I didn't recognize it. I think I always tell people, have you ever heard that, um, there, that there's a, they use an example of a frog. If you take a frog and you put him in boiling water, he jumps right out. But mm-hmm. if you put a frog in cold water and you turn up the heat little by little, he'll stay there until he boils to death. And I always, I think that's a great wow. analogy for domestic violence because what happens is you, you get trained how to think. Uh, it's almost like a brainwashing process. In mm-hmm. fact, um, since this show talks about addiction a lot, it's actually like an addiction because it took me uh, several years. It's almost like, why can't I get this out of my mind? And why am I still longing to go back to this right. person? But it, it's just like this um, process that happens in your mind. You learn like mm-hmm. one thing makes them unhappy, and you learn not to do that anymore because you don't want to make right. them that angry. And um, so over time, you learn it changes the whole way you think. Mm. So... You lose who you really are. Mm. So I've um, watched, you know, television programs about domestic violence, and they say it's like like it is like a brainwashing process. A lot of people don't, you know, want to leave because of, you know, like if they have children 
and you know, or because of financial reasons. Right, exactly. And it's like they lower well, your self esteem so much that you just feel like, Oh, I can't I can't do any better than this. Yeah. Would you say that was Yeah, true? There, there there were a lot of reasons. Um for me, even my faith, you know, I didn't believe in divorce. I thought, you know, God okay. hates divorce. I kept telling myself that and um, you know, again and it wasn't always abusive, that's the other thing. I never even right. considered myself abused. Um, mm. you know, the abuse would only happen maybe every three to six months. You know, there mm-hmm. was a, a short amount of time where it started happening on, almost on a regular basis. And I finally got smart and started calling the police on him. And when mm-hmm. that happened, um, we actually had a four-year period where there was no violence or no physical violence. He, you know, he. Right. this is what abusers do. They They intimidate you. So let's say they're not happy with something, they won't hurt you, but they'll they'll punch a punch a hole in the wall or they'll throw things across the room and break them and try to, you know, intimidate you to let you know if you don't get in line, you're next. And so um there were all these there was a lot of intimidation, a lot of name calling, um financial abuse to some extent, not for me as much as many other women I've met and counseled over the years, mm-hmm. but um, it's basically, there's a wheel called the power and control wheel. It's a picture that a domestic violence shelter in uh, Duluth, Minnesota came up with years ago, and it, mm-hmm. it describes all the abusive behaviors, which, you know, intimidation, emotional abuse, um, mind games, they make you think you're crazy. And so mm-hmm. you can you can look up that resource. When I saw that for the right. first time, and I had been in that abusive situation for I don't know how many years, I started crying because I realized I'd been abused from the time yeah. I was a teenager, I just didn't mm-hmm. recognize it. Right. So would you say you were, like, in an abusive relationship even in your teens? Well, he was abusive. He was only emotionally abusive when I was a teenager. He would get angry, you know, stop talking mm-hmm. to me. He would uh, – well, the, I remember the first situation we had. We hadn't been dating very long, and I had been a hippie, and <laughs> – so he started asking me, you know, about my past, and I just started telling him, and he got so mad. He slammed the brakes on the car, and he ordered me to get out of the car. And, wow. from, you know, like, this was like five miles from home, and I thought, what in the world? You know, cause we didn't grow up. My house did not have abuse. We didn't. Nobody ever yelled. Nobody got angry. They didn't talk hmm. to one another, but they certainly didn't get angry like that. And so I was kind right. of freaked out, like, what the heck? And, um and then he brought me then he came back and got me dropped me off at the house and didn't call mm-hmm. me for two or three days and I thought well I guess that's it and then he right. called me a couple of days after that like you know I'm sorry it just hurt me so much because I I care so much about you and I I of course mm-hmm. fell for it being fell a 14 year old so um you know just little things like that little lessons you know he would get really angry he would be very jealous like you know i had no interest in anybody else but he always accused me of being yeah um interested in other guys so that's another Mm -hmm. uh characteristic that seems to be real common with abusive men so wow Anyway, so I, I learned, you know, so it was a more, I guess we would call it emotionally abusive when I was a teenager up through college. And then um, after I got out of, you know, once we got married, and again, the the physical violence didn't start until about two years into the relationship, mm-hmm. but I certainly had plenty of opportunities to realize that was unhealthy, and I chose not to look at, you know, chose right. not to see the truth, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So now, so like 
say like the first time that the physical abuse happened, what what was going through your mind at that time? When it first um, happened. Well the first time it happened. The first time it happened, um, we had both, you know, we it, we got married back in the, I'm telling my age now, we got married back in 1980, and the, the economy was horrible. So we had decided, we sold our car and bought bicycles and went back to graduate school. And <clears throat> so we were both in school, and he was having a hard time in his program. And so mm-hmm. he would come home at night and he would stay up really really late and sometimes he would wake me up in the middle of the night and just you know I mean just sometimes yelling at me telling me what an idiot I was and you know he Mm. would blame all of his issues on me so it was whatever was going on in his life was my fault and so um, it had just been going on for gosh months on end it seemed like that Everything I did was wrong. I would, if I if I smiled, then you know he got mad because I had no right mm-hmm. to be happy because he was so miserable, mm-hmm. and so it just it was getting to the point I just couldn't bear it anymore. I didn't want to be at the mm-hmm. house. I I wanted to run away, and so one day I finally decided I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And I told him I'm leaving. And as soon as I told mm-hmm. him I was leaving, he just pushed me up against the wall and started kicking me in the belly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just went on for, I don't know how long, and I don't even, I mean, I guess I, I stayed there with him that night, and then the next day, I left and went to my mother's house, you know, and I, Mm -hmm. and we stayed separated for several months, and this became a pattern, you know, later on, um, we would separate for two or three months, and then get back together, and, you know, they say the average woman goes back six, at least six times, to an mm-hmm. abuser, I I was way above average. I think I must have gone back wow. twenty times. <laughs> so, well, you're probably not the only one. I'm no, sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what was it that finally made you get out of the relationship? What was the last well, straw for you? For me, what happened over with us over time? I mean, we did have a period where. Um, we were violence-free, but that was when I was – he actually got into medical school because that's what he always mm-hmm. wanted to do. And when he got into school, um, he – for those four years, he – the physical abuse stopped, and partly mm-hmm. because I had learned to call the police on him. And then <laughs> um, – but then, uh, you know, after medical school and after his residency, then I decided I wanted to stay home with my kids. So Mm -hmm. when I was staying home with the kids and had to depend on him for all the financial resources, it started Mm -hmm. getting a little bit more and more, um, you know, there'd be more, you know, violence started creeping back in. So um, I guess this was probably, I don't know, three or four years after he finished his residency and everything, he was making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And we... um, there were there were just a couple of incidences here or there that would you know that happened and it just got really bad and then there was a situation that I decided to confront him and when I did that he kind of blew it and I mean really blew up and started yeah. hitting me in front of the kids which he had never done before and so I um, ended up leaving and it just got more and more violent and he was not sleeping so he was at home chopping up yeah. and burning my furniture. Wow. Um, he threw away everything that I owned, um, and it was just, you know, it just kept getting, I, I really thought that if he could get his hands on me, he was going to kill me. 
Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I tried, you know, and I would try to be safe. And then when things calmed down, I kept thinking, well, you know, God hates divorce. And I would try to reconcile. And then every yeah. time I would go back, it got more and more violent. And finally, yeah, finally the last straw was um, he was feeling sorry for himself because I had pretty much decided this is it. I can't, you know, this is not going to work. And mm-hmm. he talked me into um he, you know, it was his birthday, and he called up whining. You know, it was, seemed like mm-hmm. his in his mind he was always the victim. And oh, so well. <laughs> he, he called me up complaining on his birthday that nobody was there to see him, and I told him, well, I would drop by. You know, our daughter, mm-hmm. the other daughter was gone off with a friend, but I would bring the younger one by. And mm-hmm. so I was just going to drop her off, and then he says, no, 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 please come in. And I'm like, no, really, I can't. And he, he just kept insisting, so I, mm-hmm. you know, came in for a minute and, Anyhow, I got very violent there. Right in front of my daughter, he started strangling wow. me. And when I saw, um, you know, she, anyway, it just, I, it got to the point I couldn't breathe. I mean, he would jerk me up with his, like he had his whole arm behind, you know, pressed against mm-hmm. my neck and was jerking me up. Sometimes mm-hmm. when he let me down, I would say to her, I would try to tell her, call 911. Um, anyway, yeah. but she she was just in shock, and I, you know, at mm. that moment, thinking he's going to kill me here in front of my child, right? Th- that was pretty much the last straw for me. Um, and then I decided that I needed to get away and um, made plans to come back to North mm-hmm. Carolina where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and even after that, though it was not easy to get out, it was not easy. Um, to get away, and right. he came down and threatened us here in North Carolina. Even though I tried to not let him know where we were, he found us. He found. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I guess that is it. It's true that they say the the most dangerous time for someone that's going through a domestic, um, you know, violence is when they they're leaving or they have left. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. They say that I think the homicide rate goes up about seventy percent when when a woman leaves her abuser, and so and I just say a woman because you know it tends to be really lopsided men against women. There are yeah. women who abuse. Yeah, but, I've seen that. Too. Anyway, I've seen I've seen I've seen that with my own eyes where women are the yeah. abuser. Mhm. I've seen they that. are, and and a lot of people but, uh, don't think it, that. Oh no, that's not possible. But it's possible. Oh, absolutely. And but, usually, uh, it's people who grew grew up with it, you know, and they saw right, it, and that's exactly. all they know. And and <laughs> some and some relationships I see where both are abusive to each other. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You well, know. you learn to fight back. I mean, I I didn't yeah. grow up with violence. I didn't grow up with yelling. And there's a there's a verse in Proverbs, and it says, "Don't don't associate with a man given to anger, because you'll learn his mm-hmm. ways." And that's exactly what happened to me. Now I mm-hmm. did everything in my power not to set my husband off, um, but every doubt you couldn't. I mean, that's the thing about right. abuse: you never can predict what's going to set them off. It could be something stupid, like mm-hmm. one day his hairbrush was missing and he went bananas, or wow. um. You know, he came home one day, and I was homeschooling my daughter, and and he asked her how to spell a word, and she misspelled it. And so he tried to throw me down the stairs. You know, I, I had no wow, control over those things, so you know. Wild. So anyway, um, but, you know, it got to the point that most – so most of the time I'm just trying to please him. I'm jumping around trying to please mm-hmm. him constantly. Walking on eggshells. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. But um, when every now and then he would do something and I would get mad and I would, you know, I could talk just as ugly as him. I could scream mm-hmm. back and yell. You know, I never right. physically hurt him. But um, definitely I, I never learned that growing up and I never did that. Mm-hmm. But when I started, hang, you know, when I lived after living with him, I learned it. So I think a lot of women yeah. learn to fight back. Um mm-hmm. so anyway, and you know, usually men are bigger. They are a little bit yeah, more powerful, yeah, so it's stronger. a little bit more dangerous. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> but the yeah. statistics are about ninety percent of <clears throat> domestic violence is male against female. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, because yeah, a lot of men will not admit even if they are like being abused, they're not gonna admit to that. Yeah. They most um, less likely to be, you know, um, vocal about it, like speaking out about it. A lot of men won't do that, you know. So that's well, why a lot I, of women know, won't you know, either. And, well, that's yeah. true too. But more women than men probably would say, you know. But men, oh. men normally will not say, you know. <laughs> yeah. But well, I didn't want. To, I didn't admit it for. Um, Really, for up until the very end, I never even admitted I was abused. Right. I mean, I, before that, I'd had a knife at my neck, and I stood before a judge one day and told him, I, this has not been an abusive relationship because I didn't recognize what abusive was. And, wow. you know, and also abuse in general just thrives in secrecy because, you know, if mm-hmm. you keep it secret, nobody, you know, there's no power for anybody to come in and change it. So um, you'd be surprised. The American Medical Association did a survey years ago, and I actually was part mm-hmm. of that survey. Oh, okay. And they said that um, they just, you know, interviewed a bunch of women. I, I took the survey at my gynecologist's office, and mm. they asked, "Have you ever been physically abused?" And I yeah. said, "No." I and I had been. So I know. I feel like they they think that those statistics are are actually low. They say that one in four women will experience physical abuse in their lifetime. That's not even including emotional abuse. Mm. So, but but it's something that really, you know, tends to hide in the shadows, and mm-hmm. you know, people don't talk about it openly. And I remember, you know, getting up the courage to go and talk to my church, and you know, sometimes they don't mm-hmm. know how to deal with it. And oh no, yeah, in fact. It's- uh, the church, a lot of the women that have come out in the, in the churches I've been in, it actually, it, the situation gets turned around where it's like it's their fault for some reason. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I, do, do you feel as though, like, women in the, that are in the church try to hide it even more than, more so than, you know, women that are not? Yeah, well, yeah I think so. I think that... Um, Women in the church, first of all, you know, we have this, uh, well, I think that our churches nowadays, we really um, elevate marriage. Mm-hmm. I, always, I say that marriage is kind of like what the, the the Pharisees really ele- elevated the Sabbath. You know, they always got Jesus in trouble for healing people mm-hmm. on the Sabbath or, do you know, working on the Sabbath. You know, who's doing right. things on the Sabbath he shouldn't have done. And for us, you know, I think the it's almost like marriage is the new Sabbath. It's the covenant that we are, everybody mm-hmm. just... You know, our, we do all these classes on marriage, and we talk about, you know, marriage. Um, mm-hmm. We really elevate it quite a bit in the church. So when somebody's mm-hmm. having a having trouble in their marriage, they of course don't want to come out and admit that, because mm-hmm. it almost seems like you're not very spiritual if you're having marital problems. Right. And right. then, <clears throat> of course, um, you know, we don't believe in, you know, in the church. We don't believe in divorce. Um, mm-hmm. One of the problems that really 
I think aggravated the has aggravated the issue with a lot of women I've counseled is if they have a you know strict interpretation of scripture and it talks about wives submitting to their husbands, mm-hmm. that can really aggravate the problem a whole lot well, too. In some yeah, churches. they interpret it wrong. You know, as far as being submissive, that doesn't mean that you know allowing yourself to be abused. It's right, exactly. You know, then right. you know, as far as being submissive. And I don't think you know a lot of a lot of a lot of I think a lot of men use that that scripture to to validate what they're doing. Oh, absolutely! I mean, they. So I used to get beat up with scripture. I'd say he would say, "I am the I am the head of this house, and you will submit to me." He used to order me uh to submit. Well, (laughs) doesn't really work that way. I mean, submission Uh is supposed to be a voluntary attitude of your heart, so (laughs) can't really be forced. So, exactly, it can be a sticky subject for sure. Mm-hmm. So now, when we talk about, you know, was there any like um, addiction issues with, you know, your husband at that time? Was he abusing drugs or? Alcohol. No, actually. Well, alcohol is a drug too, which a lot of yeah. people don't believe. But alcohol is a drug too. Or did he just have like some type of mental issue? <laughs> he uh, did not have any kind of addiction issues. I think that he might have been. Um, you know, he when our daughter was diagnosed with ADHD um, a couple of years pre- previous to our <laughs> final separation year. Um, he decided that that must have been his issue, that he was ADHD. So he did go and get on to, uh, you know, started getting medicine for the ADHD. And I really think, you know, I mean, because that's basically Ritalin or some kind of um, amphetamine. And so Mm -hmm. I think that all the, you know, the weeks that he didn't sleep and he started chopping up my furniture, I really think that he was over-medicating himself with that so he was not sleeping. So there was, wow. but it was not an addiction issue. It was really a, it's a, it was a choice to take that and just keep going with his rage, you know. Did he ever disclose to you that he, you know, grew up in a household that was abusive? Maybe oh, absolutely, yeah. His his dad was abusive towards his mom. Oh, so, so it's sort of like yeah. a cycle. Sometimes I believe, you yeah. know, like if people grow up. But not everybody does that, but, you know, some people mm-hmm. go on to be abusers themselves. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, he's got two other brothers that did not turn out abusive, and so, I mean, right. they they hated it. He told me he hated it, and I really thought that he would, you know, not do that because his, he mm-hmm. hated it so much, you know, his what his dad had done to his mother so much, I assumed that he would not do it, but he sure did. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Anyway. So, when when you started, tell me a little bit about uh, when you started uh, this in the seminary with the biblical counseling. Uh huh. So, can you tell me what? What? Yeah, like tell me about you know what kind of courses that you take when you go for biblical counseling. Sure. Actually, um, biblical counseling is very different than any other kind of counseling, and I didn't even realize what I was signing up for when I first started going over there. I just knew Mm -hmm. that God really was calling me, and I needed to go to seminary, and I needed to take some counseling classes. And Mm -hmm. anyway, 
when I got in there, I found out the biblical counseling movement is fairly new. Um, started okay. probably maybe back in the 1970s, and um, it was kind of a reaction to psychology and, and some of the, mm-hmm. the principles that, that are taught in psychology are actually very contrary to the Word of God. You know, the Word of God mm-hmm. says, um, deny yourself and, you know, pick up your cross and follow me. And then psychology says, well, you know, build yourself up and it's all about you and, you know, let's talk mm-hmm. about you. And a lot of, the, you know, a lot of the counseling that I went through for years with my ex-husband, that was the kind of counsel we received and it wasn't helping. In mm-hmm. fact, you know, my dad went into psychology and we, he would have these family meetings where we would just talk about our feelings and just vomit <laughs> Is all I could say, vomit uh-huh. out our feelings and all these mm-hmm. negative things, and then, but it didn't ever solve anything. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I think the biblical counseling movement came out as kind of like um, as contrary to that, you know, saying mm-hmm. that God's word has truth that can really set us free and really heal us. And mm-hmm. so it's based on that um, versus, you know, psychological principles. Yeah, you can use psychology. There's a lot of things in psychology, the observation, you know, mm-hmm. that you can use that is good. Right. But when it comes stands in contradiction to the Word of God, then you've got to choose the Word of God right. over the psychology. Right. right. And so I had not, I mean, I really didn't have a clue when I started. And But what's so interesting is that before I um, got into the biblical counseling program, I had been doing some Bible studies um, with uh-huh. a group of ladies um, in the you know where I was living, and uh-huh. she the the lady who started it wanted us to do a couple of books by Kay Arthur, and Kay Arthur <clears throat> kind of did the same thing. You know, she says uh-huh. you know if you're going to find healing, it comes from the Word of God. It's not going to come from you know some counselor out there or some psychologist or some psychological principle. It's going to come from a biblical principle. So. Um, right. I had worked through a couple of books with her, had, you know, worked through forgiveness, um, you know, and that mm-hmm. really set me free when I was able to forgive my uh, yeah. husband. And, and, uh, <laughs> but those biblical principles are what finally set me free. None of the, the secular counseling or even the Christian mm-hmm. counseling that was based on psychology helped me, but, but biblical principles sure did. Okay. Okay. So... Now, can you tell me a little bit about your uh, ministry called To Peace and what, you know, um, your ministry is all about? Sure. Um, One of the things that I have seen over the years counseling women who are in abusive situations, especially women, because um, a lot Mm -hmm. of times they will have chosen to stay home with their children. Um, They may not have worked in years. That's, that kind of turned to be out to be my case. I had probably hadn't worked in about five or six years at that point, and I mm-hmm. had let, you know, I actually had a, <clears throat> a profession, and I had let all my licensure lapse, so I couldn't I couldn't go back to work if I wanted to, mm-hmm. not right away. Um, so, a lot of the women, and a lot of the women, their husbands, if they're abusive, don't want them to work because they want to keep them isolated. Right. So. What I've seen over the years is that a lot of women who get into these situations, they even if they want to get out, they have nowhere to go. They can yeah. go to a domestic violence shelter for maybe up to three months, and mm-hmm. that's it. <clears throat> and then yeah. at the end of the three months, they either got to get on government assistance, which doesn't kick mm-hmm. in in three months. Right. You know, and a lot of them are coming out of situations where they're just like they're not comfortable doing that. So, um, 
I really have a vision to um, help, you know, women and children who are coming out of those situations. You know, we are right. not there yet. We are just in the beginning stages. Right, but what right. we'd like to do is to be able to help with housing, transportation, jobs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to help to connect the women to these things. Um, we are right. talking about doing host homes. So what we're probably looking for is volunteers, people who'd be willing to, if they have an extra room in their house or, you know, a basement apartment or something, you know, over time we would like to be able to kind of okay. have people who would be volunteering to put people up, and that way we could do it, like, nationwide. I always mm. tell people it would be my, my own underground railroad. <laughs> so, um, that sounds because great. Because some of them, yeah. Because some people, when they're so. coming out of, out of a shelter and they have nowhere to go, yes, that's probably dangerous time for them, too. Yeah. You know. Well, it depends on the the abuser because right. I mean, you know there's situations right. you exactly. just know some abusers are just not gonna they're not murderers I mean they're not gonna be lethal they're they're bad I mean they're like I I really was fearful for my life and most of the time the women can tell you they know you know if they feel threatened and they feel like their life is in danger you need to get them out of the area some right, of them right. they're not that that lethal so some of them could actually stay in the same area. But right. um, the shelters are really good at helping you determine whether or not somebody's lethal, you know, whether right. or not they're going to end up, you know, trying to take mm-hmm. somebody's life. Okay. So that's part of it. We would like to, you know, help with um, practical needs like housing, transportation, child care, and mm-hmm. all that, uh, you know, in the long term. Um, mm-hmm. Right now we're just getting started, so... It, you know, I think we're going to start with trying to get in and educate churches and come alongside churches to help mm. them help the women that are in their congregations. Because, right. you know, I've seen churches actually make the situation worse because of the way they, wow. you know, it, that they domestic treat them. violence is, yeah, is well, a crown upon in the church. Pardon? Or you're not supposed to say anything. Right. Well, the thing with, that happens at a lot of churches is that they're so intent on saving the marriage, they forget about the people that are, you know, perishing inside the marriage. But, um, right. you know, what I've seen happen a lot of times, and because they're so, an, you know, they're so anti-divorce, um, yeah. that they, you know, I think they make people put up with a lot more than even God than would, would have. normally would. <laughs> right. <That's> right. <laughs> Um, the other thing is that because domestic violence is something that thrives in secrecy and it's mm-hmm. it's something that takes real spe- special training to recognize because mm-hmm. um, a lot of times abusers, well, most of the time, abusers tend to be very, very charming. And, yeah. you know, the life of the party out in public, they're completely different at, in public than they are at home. So right. when a woman will actually get up the courage to go and tell somebody at church what's ha- happening in her home, mm-hmm. a lot of times the church doesn't believe her. <clears throat> and right. so, I mean, in they, fact, I've had they, a they, they don't see the signs of it, so they, don't, exactly. they tend not to believe them. Mm, exactly. In fact, bad. I had a pastor... I, yeah, I had a lady come up to me one Sunday at church and just broke at, broke down in tears because she knew my story and she said, you know, mm-hmm. this is going on. And I was shocked because I knew her husband. So I tried to go and talk to the pastor and the pastor said, well, you need to hear his side of the story, which just got what? her into more trouble. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And, and he, you know, the pastor really believed that she was making all that stuff up. And so mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff I get over and over again. Over the years I've had 
women who come forward and they try to tell about abuse, and a lot of times nobody believes them. Oh, that's sad. Mhm. That's really sad. And so, yeah, helping people to learn and to recognize um, domestic violence and to understand the dynamics behind it is one of the huge keys to being able to help. And until we recognize it for what it is and see, you know, the maliciousness mm-hmm. behind it and, and you know, all all the cover-ups, mm-hmm. then we're not going to ever be able to help. And so, you know, I mean, I understand. I mean, I even this lady, when she first came to me, I even told her, no, that's not abusive. And then the longer I spent time with her, the more I realized mm-hmm. it was. So, I mean, he even had me fooled, and I know about wow. it. <laughs> so. So what are some of the things that women do to hide the abuse? Like even if they have, you know, a black eye or, you know, bruises. Well, interestingly, yeah. One thing I found out about abusers is that a lot of times they will hit their wives or, you know, their girlfriends, whatever. They will hit her in a place that the bruises won't show up. Now, once right. in a while, you end up with a black eye, but, I mean, you know, obviously they'll make up stories. I've had <clears throat> women tell me, oh, you know, I had an accident or this happened, and mm-hmm. I knew that it was something else. So, right. <clears throat> anyway, you know, like right towards the end, I ended up with two black eyes. <laughs> so, wow. Um, and I covered it with so much makeup, nobody could see it. So, wow. So mm-hmm. how how often would you say that the abuser also abuses the children? Um, I it happens in some cases, but it didn't in mine. Well, mm-hmm. um, he really you know would wait until they're not around and and get mad at me after they've left the room or something up until right. the very end. And there towards the end, it started happening. It happened in front of both of them. And actually, mm-hmm. right before I separated from him the last time, um, there was a Christmas. My daughter had asked for something for Christmas, and she didn't get what mm-hmm. she wanted because I couldn't find it, you know, how the stores sell out of things. And, um, oh, yeah, I know she about came that. Down and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she came down, and she looked dis- she looked disappointed instead of happy, you know. But she was mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, but she wasn't, like, complaining or whining or being bratty or anything. She just kind of looked like her face was like, oh, man, it's not here. Yeah. And uh, yeah. But my husband, he he got really angry. He's like, you don't like your presents? You don't like them? And so he, he got a trash bag. He says, no Christmas for you this year. And he starts bagging up all her toys. And he takes her and, like, he shoves her. Um, mm-hmm. And then he, pu- he actually grabs her by the head, like, and pulls her hair, and then shoved her and told her to go up to her room. And we, like, her sister and I both went up there with her. And that was the first time that he'd ever laid a hand on her like that. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he probably had spanked them too hard in the past, but he'd never done anything like that. And mm-hmm. that one, yeah, that was real. That it was really harder for me to watch him put a hand on my children than for him to do well, it. Well, yeah. Because, you know, we're very protective. Well, I know I'm very protective of my kids, and a lot of women are, you know, very protective of their children. And I think that maybe that might be, you know, one of the reasons or, you know, that women will try to leave that relationship because, you know, if they start abusing the children... Right, and 
I've seen it a lot of times and and a lot of, and sometimes I mean I've heard situations where um the husband was uh, sexually abusing the children too, you know, and so you know and then what really blows my mind is a lot of times in those situations they get out and the court still, you know, unless they mm-hmm. ended up getting arrested or something, but if they know something's gone on and it hasn't been proven, then legally they still have to send them for visitation with that abusive guy. Mm. So, wow. really sad. Yeah. Yeah. And you also, um, you're also a, a, a independent consultant for something that that you do with uh it works. Can you tell me a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah. I see okay. that on your your yeah. um uh business yeah. page. So can you tell me a little bit about that too? Sure. Um well it works actually <clears throat> you know I while I was going to seminary when when I um came back to North Carolina I um ended up getting my real estate license and I've been working mm-hmm. in real estate for the last 17 years but it okay. got to the point where I had no time I mean you know you were on call from 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. till midnight I mean you know you got emails coming in and you can be writing mm-hmm. contracts at night and <clears throat> and even when I had help it was just way too much and I've always had this ministry on my heart and um, back in 2011, real estate kind of crashed. Well, I found mm-hmm. it works, and we're best known for, you know, we have plant-based products. They're herbal products. Mm-hmm. There's one. Okay. It's a body wrap that's, you know, that helps oh, okay, slim. the wraps. And, and I hear a lot about yeah. those. Do they really work? <laughs> they really do. That's why they, they call okay. it It Works. But I, I found it, it, and I just wanted to pay for my product back in 2011. So in about a eight-month period, I worked up to what they called our Emerald level, which is about $1,100 a month. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, that's pretty good for part-time work. And then mm-hmm. um, real estate picked back up, so I quit working at works for a whole year. And mm-hmm. the money kept coming in for a full year. And that's when I realized, you know, maybe God put this in my lap in order to help me um, you know, be able to afford to get out and do ministry. So, right, um, right. it, I love the company. It's like a Christian. Co- the company, the the um, the founders are Christians. We have worship services at our annual conventions. Um, mm-hmm. and we have amazing, amazing plant-based products that have helped, like clear up every physical issue my husband and I were having. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've lost thirty pounds and countless inches you know it just it really mm-hmm. is amazing the products are great and uh the company is great so i just feel like that was something that god blessed me with and um mm-hmm. so it's my retirement to ministry income mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there you go and if anybody wants okay. to um i can put in a shameless plug if you want me to well, if anybody's interested definitely yeah. you're you're on the radio so no definitely <laughs> Put it out there, right. you know. That's Put it right. out well, there. It, my, that's right. Well, I appreciate it. Um, the website for my for the It Works business is, is Joy of Wrapping, W-R-A-P-P-I-N-G dot com. And, you know, it tells, you, know, you can see, you can just check out all the products. But, again, they're mostly, you know, just God gave us plants. Um, and they mm. very, they can be very powerful. They can be detoxifying mm-hmm. and they can give you energy and they can um help you get you know fill in gaps the one of the mm-hmm. um we have an md who formulates our supplements and he says we get sick for two reasons we're malnourished and we're overly acidic so 
Um, His formulas kind of take care of both of those problems. And so we see a lot of people, when they give their body what their body needs, their bodies actually heal themselves. Yeah, because I I will figure that, like, we have a lot of toxins in our body. Yes. You know, and when those toxins are coming coming out, you're going to get sick. You're going to feel sick until, you know, like you said, your body heals itself. Exactly. Well, I'm telling you, my husband and I had a lot of ailments and now that you know my husband now I I, I have failed to mention that I've remarried in the recent okay. years but um actually 15 years ago but okay. um yeah but we had a lot of issues like he had gout and um kidney mm-hmm. stones on a regular basis and I had I even had gallbladder disease symptoms and everything mm. that we had going on has pretty much you know resolved it's, it's cleared up <clears throat> which blows my mind to this day, I can't, you know, it's just, uh, and I feel better than I did 30, you know, yeah. 20, 30 years ago. So. <laughs> That's great. That's Pretty, great. It is and, great. And you said I love the, it. The, the, it's a, you have a website. I'm going to um, actually put that website, post it on the event page. It's www.joyofrapping. Mm-hmm. Yes, J-O-Y-O-F, rapping.com. Yep. Okay, I'm gonna um well, you know, post that. that on the um yeah. event page also because I didn't mm-hmm. know about that website. I have the Call to Peace blog, the WordPress, yeah, yeah. and also yeah, and the, the Call, Call to, to Peace. Peace Ministry blog. Right, and the um, Call to Peace right now is just a it's a page that's on my Joyful Surrender pe- um, website, mm-hmm. which is kind of more of a ministry blog. Blog or yeah, uh-huh. mostly a blog, and um, the call to peace. Like I said, we just put a page within that other website for right now. We are um, right. we just um, incorporated with the state of North Carolina, and we're trying to get our nonprofit status. Um, you know, hopefully in the next several months, we're gonna we're applying for that. So we're coming along. It just man, it's like it doesn't. It's not easy to get something like this started. Um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting. God keeps putting people in my path at the right time. There you, go. you know, just when there I you think, go. you know, like what what should I do next? And then somebody just mm-hmm. pops into my path. Pop right up. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, He's good that like that. Great though. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yes, he is. So um, mm-hmm. we're gonna go to a commercial, and when we come back, we're gonna talk a little bit about you know some of the. Um, danger signs or red flags. We say I would say like if you're you know to let people know like if they're in an abusive abusive relationship and they really not aware. Mhm. After yeah, we come back from good. our commercial break. Sure. We'll be right back. All right. Thank you. So right in the building, House of Stone by Coco. I'ma show you. She gonna show you. We gonna show you how we do this, huh? What? Yo, this bling be the illest. Coco House of Stone got a feeling. Step up in the room. 
royal like a queen. Rockin' house of stone, girl, you know you reign supreme. Red carpet jewels, finest of quality, necklace so reckless. I know you seen the rosary designer for celebrity. Pieces on the runway. Tracy Lynn was so back when you gotta grow up someday. Big girl accessories, always on fleek. Not the average, but the baddest chick, the ones who like to be unique. We don't follow the crowd. We set the trends. Other fashions bow down. House of stone will never be in. My bad. With this commercial interrupt, I'm just trying to be your friend. Help you step your game up. When you put on House of Stone, get ready for your close-up. Trendsetters, go get his ladies in the know. House of Stone stands alone. I just thought I'd let you know. I think I said too much. You need to catch your breath. Nobody does it better. Yo, House of Stone is the best. This is the soul writer. And I'm here with my girl Coco. House of Stone by Coco. That is, she's got the flyest bling on the planet. Yo, she's kicking down doors. In magazines, on the runway, celebrity jewelry designer. And I'm trying to put you down with game. On Facebook, House of Stone by Coco. Instagram, House of Stone by Coco. Twitter, House of Stone by Coco. Yo, it's real easy. And if you really trying to holler at my girl, then holler at your girl, the soul writer. And I'll put you in direct contact with none other than the lady herself. Now. When you step outside, your fashion needs to be standing on a firm foundation, and it gets no firmer than the house that Coco built. Yo, check it. I'm going to show you, huh? She's going to show you what? We're going to show you how we do this, huh? What? House of Stone by Coco. It doesn't get any better than the best. <laughs> Welcome back to the Recovery Corner. I am your host. Author is Tanya Wilson, and I'm here with Joy Forrest, and we're discussing domestic violence issues. Um, Joy, can you tell the listening audience or any women or men out there that um, what the danger signs are or what are the red flags to look out for, you know, sure. being in yeah. a domestic violence relationship? Right. Well, I think I've already mentioned several of them. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that you'll see a lot of times is um, a lot of these folks who are um, abusive tend to really kind of zoom in on uh, their um, partner. They'll act like, you know, get really serious very quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like I think we were talking about marriage. I was 14 years old, and he's already talking about marriage within maybe two or three months. At Um, at 14? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, you know, when we wow. get married, okay. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so, wow. um, uh, really yeah, quick and to then, commit, I mean, huh? you know, like, yeah, well, my, and mm. it happened with my daughter. I mean, she was, she's been in several, you know, my youngest daughter has mm. not learned this stuff yet. And, uh, oh, she wow. had a guy, I mean, I think within a couple of weeks he was talking marriage. So, you know, they tend mm. to be, get real serious fast. very fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. They want to commit real quickly. Um, they can be very charming and, you know, do all these romantic things. So you really have to be careful because, you know, my husband now was kind of like that, and it made me, it really mm. scared me because I knew <laughs> that, right. um, you know, that they, they tend to be like knights in shining army. They will come in and they love to save the day. Um, they tend to be very jealous, you know, of, mm-hmm. um, you know, your relationships with, you know, past boyfriends, but even mm-hmm. they may think that you've got something going with every person you look at, too. Mm-hmm. Um, or even they may be even jealous of your relationships with other people because they want to have all of your time. 
um, they may seem very, very concerned. You know, like I, my when I started dating my ex-husband, it was interesting that he was like, he was just always checking up on me, like day in and day out. He would call me all mm-hmm. the time, and I thought, this is great. He loves me so much because he's always yeah. checking on me. Um, but he's, <laughs> you know, he wants to be involved in almost everything he would even ask me like what are you wearing and i'm thinking i've never had a boyfriend ask me what i'm wearing tomorrow and then he would make <laughs> suggestions about what i was supposed to wear <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um he could mm-hmm. be very sweet and charming um mm-hmm. sometimes and, you know and especially in the beginning and again i say right. that nobody goes walk, walks into an abusive relationship oh, gets abused today. It's, it's that brainwashing you know mm-hmm. over time conditioning Mm-hmm. Um, but he's definitely like a, a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And mm-hmm. another thing that is very common to most abusers I've ever known is that, that they think they're victims. Like when I met him, he was always feeling sorry for himself. Somebody had always picked on him all his life. And, you know, he grew up with abuse and people picked on him in school. And, you know, so he was just mm-hmm. really <clears throat> angry and bitter about those things and never had gotten over it. So he mm. thinks he's the victim. Um, right. Um, you know, <clears throat> again, the extreme jealousy, um, blaming, blaming, oh, my goodness, you know, blaming mm. you for anything that goes wrong. I remember thinking, how in the world did I have anything to do with this thing he's blaming me for, you know? Right. Like he would get in trouble at work, and somehow that was my problem. It was, my it turned, you turn it around, and it's your fault. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, and, you know, later on as the the relationship progresses, then, you know, there's intimidation, trying to scare you, um, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, I mean, you may feel threatened, intimidated. Um, a lot of times they will isolate you from friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, they will start to humiliate you, call you names, um, you put you down, you can't do anything right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even limiting <clears throat> your ability what you can do you know they they mm-hmm. pressure you um in so many ways that you know again you'll know you're just not feeling pressure you to do things yeah. you're not comfortable with right. um <clears throat> if it's a man a lot of times they use male privilege which is like saying you know like what my ex-husband used to say well i'm the head of this household or you know mm-hmm. um trying to act like that they have <clears throat> the right to push to actually push you around mm-hmm. Um, they can harass you and, um, you know, follow you and show up unexpectedly. Things like that are mm-hmm. kind of good warning signs, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what what advice would you have for someone that is currently in an abusive relationship? <clears throat> well, um if the relationship is physically abusive, um, I will tell people, and I know a lot of times they don't want to hear this, because, mm-hmm. and I know exactly how they feel because I was the same way. Um, if you don't do something to stop it, it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And so um, the best thing I ever did in my relationship was learn to call the police and have him arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for some men, that makes them more angry, and they'll come out, you come after you with a vengeance. Um, mm-hmm. however, um, for, for the majority of them, some kind of consequences is what it takes in order mm-hmm. for them to stop. Um, my, 
huge suggestion for you would be get out. Um, and I mm-hmm. know sometimes people don't want to hear that either. But um, your life is more important than uh, whatever it is you're trying to preserve there. Um, mm-hmm. Be it, you know, he's a good father or I need the money or whatever it is. Um, you know, again, and I and I would love to say that, you know, we're we're already set up and that we could help you know, people who are trying to get out, but there are places mm-hmm. out there that will help you. The, the domestic violence shelters will help you. I didn't really want to go to one because I thought, well, they're not mm-hmm. Christians. They're not going to give me godly advice. But, um, right. you know, having worked in one now, I would I would definitely recommend women go there because they're experts in helping you get safe and, um, mm-hmm. you know, in teaching you what to look for and understanding you know what uh, abuse looks like i mean for the first thing mm-hmm. is you got to admit what that it is abuse and right. i would recommend women go online and you know look up that power and control wheel that came out of the um duluth pro- project in minnesota because mm-hmm. that describes what an abusive relationship looks like and i didn't realize i was in one i was in it for mm-hmm. 20 over 20 some years over before i even recognized you wow mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, because he wasn't punching me every day. When I get you get this idea of a battered woman, that's somebody that's getting punched. Well, I can't remember him ever balling up his fist and punching me. Now he mm-hmm. kicked me, he shoved me, he grabbed my arm and pinched it so hard I had you know fingerprint bruises all mm-hmm. over my arms. Um, he had a knife at my neck, and yet I didn't mm. see myself as abused <laughs> because wow. I didn't. You know, again, you have to educate yourself and learn what abuse looks like. So you um, would you say that people tend to like well it doesn't happen all the time that right. they feel like they're not in an abusive relationship. Right. Oh, he just pushed me. He didn't punch me or right. You know they minimize it. Mm-hmm. Yes, they minimize it. We learn to minimize it. They the abusers definitely minimize it. So we mm-hmm. act like oh that wasn't anything. You don't have to worry about you know that. Oh, I didn't mean that. You know I didn't mean that or. They just mm. <clears throat> they tend to make it, you know, like it was nothing. And at some point in life, you kind of learn to just, you know, like sweep it under the rug and act like it didn't mm. happen. You know, the wow. next day he would get mad and do something like that, and the next day he'd turn around and give me a couple hundred dollars to go shopping, and that was his way of saying he was sorry. He never said he was sorry. Right. But <clears throat> that was, you know, pretty much, you know, we kind of learned that that was a little pattern we were in. We nobody We never worked anything out. We just have mm-hmm. he would have these blow ups and then there would be here's some money, go shopping. <laughs> yeah. And um but you know, if you can't leave right away uh, for some mm-hmm. strange reason and I mean I understand that. Um mm-hmm. I always tell women it, you know, you can make a safety plan, have an extra set of car keys mm-hmm. somewhere, have a special word if you've got children and say to the, when I say this word to you, I want you to run out the door and let's all get in the car or let's run next door or somebody go mm-hmm. call the police or something. Um, right. But you can make a plan, and there are actually, mm-hmm. if you look online at the um, National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, they have safety plans, you know, that mm-hmm. that you can follow, you know, get um, right. have a plan in place so that mm-hmm. you're not just um, unprepared if something happens. Right. And um, you know, um, my uh, my real thought is, you know, it would be wonderful. I mean, there it would be wonderful if the churches were um able to support and I'm, I think there might be some out there, but if you are in a church that doesn't understand abuse and mm-hmm. then I would say 
go and find one that does. Um, right. You know, as long as it's there's one that honors Scripture and um, you know believes the Bible and and really you know loves God um, and loves mm-hmm. people, there are some out there who will be willing to help you. I think, okay. but. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's not the vast majority of them that I've been in. Right. <laughs> so, what are um, so did you did you yourself go to had to did you have to go to a um, shelter yourself? I did not, um, and I wouldn't go. I actually had a lady tell me I needed to go up there, and I just kept saying, mm-hmm. "No, no, no, I'm not going there." In my, in my mind, it was like those people who run those shelters, you know, they're um, <clears throat> they're just a bunch of feminists who don't believe God's word, and, you know, I'm not going to mm-hmm. go there and let them poison my mind. I mean, that's how bad I was. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was just so sit at home, and um, my my attitude was, you know, I'm a, I'm a good housewife, so I would never go to a place like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, the Bible study that I was that I was doing um, at the time, several of the women mm-hmm. in there actually put my children and me up. The first family we went to, they put us up for, well, actually I called some folks from church. <clears throat> they put us up a couple of nights, but then my husband started calling, and he didn't even know mm-hmm. where they lived, but he started calling and har- harassing them like hour after right. hour, late at night. Um, and then, so they said, well, you know, you probably don't need to stay with us anymore. They had a right. little lake house and they let us stay there a few days. And they, they said, he's still calling and harassing us. And, um, finally they had told us we couldn't stay with them anymore. And so then another, right. uh, woman from our Bible study came in and when her husband decided that my husband might be dangerous, he decided we couldn't stay there anymore. So finally, the third place was um, another lady, a single lady in the Bible study who let us stay at her house and park in her garage so that, you know, if he, he couldn't just drive by and see it. And right. um, she's the one that tried to talk me into going to the shelter, but I wouldn't. And mm-hmm. finally, you know, after a couple of weeks, I was able to get some money out of um, the the bank account that we had together, and I just I was able to rent a place. But, you know, not okay. everybody has that kind of advantage. Right, um, right. So some people have no financial, you know, resources. Exactly, you know. yeah. So what yeah. would you say and for say, someone who doesn't have financial resources, uh, the best thing for them would be to go to a shelter? Yeah, I mean, either if you don't have a family member or a friend, then you definitely need to, you know, the shelters are not bad. I mean, that was another thing. You know, I had this idea in my mind of a shelter. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking... Oh, it's just you know, this institution that's like looks like a hospital or something inside. I don't know. That was my, my thought. And then, of course, after um, working at the domestic violence shelter, it's a nice old historic home and it's very cozy. So um, it's not bad. You know, I would say that it would it'll, they'll keep you safe and you know it gives you a little time to you know try to make another plan. Most of them will let you stay for up to three months. Right. So do do the shelters offer like help with housing like for when you after you leave or they well don't? they they do try to um, help the women come up with an exit plan mm-hmm. and they will um, 
you know, I know that the shelter that I work with, and I still volunteer with them sometimes, they will, um, there's some um, housing that's, uh, you know, available in a, a county near us. And okay. so they, they kind of help the women apply for the housing. The, the, I guess it's some kind of a government assistance housing. And um, okay. they, they help them fill out all the paperwork. But the problem is mm-hmm. it usually takes about six months to get approved, and the women can only sh- stay in stay the shelter for, for about months. three months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's always this gap, which is where we would really love to be able to fill in the gap, um, mm-hmm. you know, and again, there are a lot of women who the thought of going to any kind of, you know, getting any kind of government assistance is mm-hmm. enough to send them back home. So, wow. anyways, it's a, it's a tough, <clears throat> you know, That's it's a really tough, tough situation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Any way you look at it. So what what are um some of the things that you've learned from the women that you, you know, counseled in the domestic violence shelters? Well, I I've learned unfortunately, you know, being a Christian and um, having women come in, I've learned that the church is not that the church really has a lot to learn and that we mm-hmm. have we have not done a good job in dealing with the issue. I know that um, I, over the years I tried reaching out to pastors, and, um, you know, I have nobody, I would say none of them wanted me to stay when it was physically violent. Everybody said, get out. That You know, right, so at least right. none of my church, you know, none of the churches that I've been in has ever said, no, you've got to stick it out for, and be physically right. abused. And, right. I, and I don't think there are many out there who would say that. No, I don't think um, so. You might have a few, though. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there. I'm sure there are some, Um, but there, you know, I'm sure, I'm positive, but um, you know, just because they're telling you to get out doesn't mean that they know what to do next, and they don't. Um, One of the things that's real important when you are in a situation like that is there shouldn't be any couples counseling at all. Um, right, because the woman, right. you know, the one who's being abused is not going to feel safe to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually with somebody like that who's very manipulative, they turn the situation around and it turn, usually the focus ends up on the abused person instead of the abuser. Right. And so, um, you know, just knowing how to counsel that situation, it's completely different than any other kind of marital counseling. In fact, you shouldn't do marital counseling. You need to be working mm-hmm. on heart issues and um, I have a yeah just I just met a a a man who wrote a book on how to counsel an abusive Mm -hmm. man and um, I'm really enjoying that book you know he talks about how you know as a Christian that you have to really work on um, the heart issues they have which is Mm -hmm. pride and this sense of entitlement like really most Mm -hmm. guys abuse not I used to think my husband was abusing me because he was out of control and he just couldn't help himself, and, mm-hmm. you know, he just lost it. But truly, right. that wasn't the reason he was doing it. Was his, He was doing it to maintain power and control over me and um, because he really felt that he was entitled. And most of the guys in most of the situations like this, it's really like they feel like you're a piece of property. You, mm-hmm. They own you. And if you get out wow. of line, then they have every right to, to get you back in line. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, counselors who need to understand that they're going after hard attitudes that are saying, I'm entitled, you know, right, I, I'm, right. you know, this is my right. And yeah. 
you know, and it's definitely, and I love what he says in the book. He says, um, it's called, let me find, find the book real quick. It's called um, The Heart of Domestic Abuse by Chris Mould. Mm-hmm. But he says, you know, another thing is um, besides the pride, um, <clears throat> they, um, I've just lost my other point. There's another one. Um <laughs> Basically, I don't know. My what's what's the name of the book again? <laughs> the Heart of Emotional huh? Abuse. The, what was the it's name of the book? It's called The Heart, the Heart uh-huh. of Domestic Abuse. Oh, Domestic by Chris, Abuse. Chris Moles. Yeah, so he talks okay, about, oh, I know. Well, they have this sense of entitlement and they're proud, and he says, they're you know, it's the exact mm. opposite of humility, and so that they need to be taught humility. Um, Mm-hmm. And you know they basically worship themselves, so there's a lot of idolatry going on. Mm. But it's really good. I mean, he's got a lot of good points in there for, um, you know, <clears throat> counseling men like this because that's been, you know, for for a mm-hmm. long time. You know, there was help for the women, and there really wasn't anything for the men. Um, mm. The only yeah. one situation <laughs> I've ever I've ever been involved with that it actually worked out was really it was neat. I had. Um, been counseling the woman for some time and I kept saying to her when he gets violent I want you to call the police and right. she really didn't want to call the police well what if he loses his job and I said I know well, what, what? what if you lose your life yeah exactly well you know she's just hitting me you know she's for her it's like well anyway oh, wow. so finally one night she did Oof. it she called the police and he got arrested and the church actually sprang into motion. One of the pastors of the mm. church went down to the to the jail, and he didn't bail him out. But he said, "Brother, we love you, but you're we're not going to stand by and let you abuse your wife." So the church oh, came along for, that, for, for them. Yes, wow. This is the one time it ever I've seen it handled properly. You know, I felt like we did a pretty good job. Um, the church came alongside mm-hmm. him and they said, listen, you're not going back home. We're going to leave her in the house and we'll find a place mm-hmm. for you to stay. So they found a place for him to stay. Um, and then, you know, he worked with another counselor on his heart issues for, it was almost, mm-hmm. they stayed separated a, almost a year and a half. And mm-hmm. I worked with her on s- certain issues too, because mm-hmm. obviously women who put up with this stuff have got some issues. Right. Um, <laughs> So, Definitely. and then towards the end, like toward about a year into this, you know, in the very beginning, he was just blaming her and he was not mm-hmm. accepting any responsibility. So he had to really get to the point where he saw that it was his own heart that got him where he was. Right. And then I was working with her to teach her, um, you know, to be a little bit tougher and, mm-hmm. um, you know, not to, you know, fall back to the same old patterns that she'd been doing, but also not to react to him. And so we we worked for a long time. And so then about after a year, what they did is um, we started having them date in public, you know, where she felt Mm -hmm. safe with him. And then it was, I told people, it was kind of like wearing contact lenses. You know, you wear them a couple hours the first day, and then you can wear them Mm -hmm. two more hours the next day. So it was kind of like reintroducing themselves to each other um, Mm -hmm. in dating situations that kept getting, you know, more and more time added on to it. And then he started coming into the house for dinner once a week. And eventually, Mm -hmm. you know, they reconciled and went back together. And that was the most successful situation I've ever been involved with, um, because the Uh church actually did what the church needed to do. What what they were supposed to do. (laughs) Yeah. They they held him accountable and I held her accountable. So Mm -hmm. it worked out. Right. So, so is, there, is there anyone out there that you would like to thank, thank 
for helping you when you were going through your situation. Is there anybody out, out there that you would like to say thank you to? Well, the ladies in my Bible study, um, it, it, I have to say that, <clears throat> that when I was going through it, there really, really, really was nobody who had understood it. Um, we didn't have the Internet then because this happened to me 20 years mm-hmm. ago. And right. so I couldn't even, you know, go online and Google <laughs> and find help or resources on the line. And so mm-hmm. I kept going. I went to the Christian bookstore to try to find a book on domestic violence, and there wasn't one. I just wanted to know somebody who'd been through it, and I couldn't find anybody. Um, wow. But I had a friend who was in my Bible study, and her sister was going through it. So when I would go over to her house, she would. She says, I don't know what to tell you. All I know is this, you know, like her sister maybe was one step ahead of me and had already gotten out of it. And so she would give me advice based on her sister, and that was like the best that she could do. And then again, mm-hmm. the fa- the fact that we did those Bible studies, that was hugely helpful. I mean, the <clears throat> the Bible study that we did called Lord Heal My Hurts by Kay Arthur, mm-hmm. that one is the one that helped me to forgive uh, right. my abuser and you know if I hadn't done that I think that to this day you know I find a lot of women go through abuse and never heal and mm-hmm. it's usually because they haven't forgiven right. and so um, I'm healed I really am healed and, you know it took time and there was a lot of involved in that but get um, and it was truly God but I've seen women all the time who are you know people all the time who don't ever heal because they mm-hmm. never let go of the past and right. they don't receive what God has for them. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, I want to thank the the folks, the few folks that were in my path that did try to help at least, and then thank God because it got to the point that I knew that there was nobody I could turn to but Him, and He was faithful. Mm-hmm. And amen. You know, in in fact, when you know my when my husband had destroyed all my stuff and threw everything into a dumpster, I actually had to go down into that dumpster and try to retrieve everything. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> he came back. I mean, I was handing stuff up to the ladies in my Bible study, sent a couple of husbands with me. And it mm-hmm. was about 5 o'clock in the afternoon in February. And mm-hmm. he came back, started screaming at them, and started throwing things back down into the dumpster. Well, he didn't see me. I had wow. a flashlight, and I turned it off. And... Right. um Anyway, he threw this lamp and it missed my head, and then he threw wow. a bag of a bag of clothes and it knocked me back down into the trash. Well, I'd been opening trash bags, so I'm sitting in dirty diapers and rotten food, and I'm thinking, Lord, oh no, nobody, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> thinking, Lord, nobody knows what I'm going through right now. Nobody understands. Mm-hmm. And it was like Jesus was there, and He said, I know. I don't know. I had a moment with him there. I'm sorry, I'm losing. I'm getting tickle in my throat. <clears throat> yeah, I got that too. <laughs> it's, anyway, it's crazy weather. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, so that moment was a life changer for me. Huh? Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> what was it like for you doing, um, doing the prison ministry? Well, actually, I didn't do prison ministry. My mother did, and oh. she invited me to come in and speak to the ladies in the prisons, you know, a couple of times. <clears throat> and what was interesting to me, one thing I learned, you know, I had gone through this program that was um, 
called Life Skills International, and I learned in there that 90% of the people who go to prison have been abused at some point in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I went in and I spoke on abuse, and the ladies just lined up to come tell me their stories afterwards. Wow. So it was, you know, it was sad and enlightening and everything all at once, you know. But mm-hmm. the prison that I went into was a minimum, minimum security prison. It was kind of more like for people who had drug and alcohol issues mm-hmm. or you know, wrote bad checks. It wasn't, you know, um, you know, maximum, maximum security, security or anything. Like murderers. <clears throat> right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So what what um advice would you have for someone that, you know, they're they're getting ready to transition out of a shelter? What advice do you have for them as far as safety precautions? Hmm. Well, you know, there are so many um there are there excuse me, there aren't that many resources um just for abuse, but there are there are resources out there. Um um what I would probably suggest, I know there's a ministry called Focus Ministries up in I believe they're in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I think that they have just opened a home, uh, you know, like an apartment building or something. They're starting to do housing. But, you know, I would just go with the shelters, and, and the shelters will at least help you, you know, to transition back in if you can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly and ideally, the the best solution would be for the church to come alongside and help these families. Right, and, right. you know, that would to include the housing. the but, shelters, yeah. <laughs> But it, you know, unfortunately just doesn't happen. I I actually had a phone conversation with a man today, and he, you know, Mm -hmm. he has a heart to do that kind of ministry. They want to help people who, um, you know, don't have housing or transportation and Mm -hmm. jobs. I mean, that's part of the ministry that they're doing. So that's going to fit right in with our Call to Peace ministry. Um, You know, so there are ministries out there. You're just going to have to really look and find out what's in your local area. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of, I think a lot of people don't know about the resource, um, the different you know things that, that that are available out there. Yeah. And you really have to really look. You know, like you said, if you have internet. Most most people do have internet now. You right. Know? Yeah. So you know that's a huge, you know. Thing you know you can Help. look up anything you know now you know so it's like. You can get help quicker yep. than you would like if you, it was happening in like the seventies or the sixties. Yeah, or when you, I went through know. it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I went through it in the nineties, and we didn't. I mean, we had internet, but they just didn't have the resources on the internet like we do now. Right. Right. Um, but the other thing, the bad thing about technology is that nowadays the abusers are so much smarter, and they can track you with mm-hmm. GPS, and you know, it's kind right. of scary. Right. Um, so you have to be extremely careful about things like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as part of part of your safety plan is to make sure that you haven't gotten any. You know, your car hasn't got a, a GPS device on right. it somewhere, or, like that. <laughs> or you know, even your telephone. That's right. You yeah. gotta get somebody to check your car out. <laughs> make sure you That's ain't got right. no devices in it. Your phone might be tapped. That's right. You know, yeah, they can put. They can put trackers on your telephone, so things mm-hmm. like that. You know, you just got to yeah. use some common sense. Yeah. But, um, 
not all of them are that high tech, but some of them sure are. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure some of them are. You know, if you get somebody that's you know like really into like high tech, you know, gadgets, they they might have your phone tapped or you never know. Oh, absolutely. Listen, I had cameras. a lady. That, yep. Well, that happened to a lady at my church. She was. The guy had the whole house bugged, like every single the room, and he had cameras house. in every single room. <laughs> wow. And she, she was upstairs for some reason and found it all, you know. And, and you know, found like, it all. Wow. And she would talk to me on the phone, and I knew that she couldn't say what she wanted to say because she felt like her phone was tapped. <laughs> it probably was. So, yeah, probably, sure. Most likely, me, if, if there's cameras all over the house, that phone was tapped. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even her cell phone, she was scared to talk on her cell phone, too. So. That's, 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 wow. Yeah. So, that's, that's, anyway. pretty, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that's, <clears throat> well, anyway, it's a crazy thing. Like I said, it's kind of like they're trying to keep you, um, you know, in line, and so that's part of it. Like, they want to know what's going on with you every moment so that they can make sure that you're not going to escape from them. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Wow. So, can you um, tell our, our listening audience, like, um, all of your social social media platforms and how they can get in touch with you? <clears throat> um, well, you can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm just Joy Forrest. Um, I have a... Let's see a, a Facebook page called jo- that's just Joy Forest, and um, that's a it's kind of like a business page. Right, I have that see. posted on the event page. It's an independent. Okay, so you've got that one. But for the um, it works I, WordPress. Yeah, that has. And I also it. have the blog. Yeah, um, I am on Instagram, which is um, mm-hmm. I think it's just, my username there is just Joy Forest too. Mm-hmm. Um, on Twitter, I don't use it very often. <laughs> I follow I'm you. on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I'm really bad at tweeting. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, but um, and I mean, I guess I'm on Pinterest, but I don't do much with that either. I'm right. really probably I'm on most this, active so on Facebook. Huh? I, I say I'm on Pinterest too. I haven't been to my Pinterest page in a long time. Yeah. So, well, I, uh-huh. yeah, I I post something probably once every month or two on Pinterest, yeah. but. Um, I'm probably most active on Facebook. I mean, I have a personal profile, too. Um, they can mm-hmm. go over to my, <clears throat> you know, if they're interested and they want to find that, then mm-hmm. um, they can just, you know, actually post something on my my, it, my Joy Forest page. And mm-hmm. um, I actually think that the, the actual address of the Facebook page is Joy Forest. Oh, my goodness, what is it? Um, it's Facebook.com. Joy Forest It Works or something like that. Um, okay. Let me see if I can find it real I, quick. I have, I have it. I think I have that one on the uh, event page. The one oh, okay. For the uh, your business page. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one's posted on on the event page and also your WordPress and also the Call to Ministries, to Peace Call Ministries to Peace. blog. Okay. That's yeah. one. Okay. Well, then you got I'm it all. I'm going to put the other about the the uh, the rapping. It works. Cool. I'm going to put okay. that uh, the blog. I mean, yeah, the website one there. 
So we're getting ready to, um, yeah, I'm going to put all that on there. And I'm also going to put the book that you were telling me about. Yeah, it's called The Heart um, of of Domestic domestic Abuse abuse. by Chris Moles. Is it M-O-L-E-S? It sure is. Yeah, and I just picked up another book I haven't read yet that's um, called A Cry for Justice by Jeff Crippen, C-R-I-P. Yeah. A Cry for Justice. There's actually a a blog called A Cry for for Justice that um, you can find. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll find it. it. (laughs) I'm good with the computer. Yeah, and it's basically all it is. A Cry for Justice is um, basically a blog that Mm -hmm. relates to domestic violence. Okay. So it's pretty I'll, good. I'll post that blog up on on the um, mm-hmm. Facebook event page, and also yeah. that the book, the Heart of right. Domestic so, Abuse. Yes, and okay. I mean that's one, and that's really more about talking to you know talking about or, or how to talk to men who abuse. Whereas, you know, I think the um, the A Cry for Justice and the A Cry for Justice book is more like how the church can come alongside and even probably more resources for women. I ha- Again, I haven't read that one. I just got it. Okay. Um, but, you I'll know, there, there, just, there are the a whole lot more and resources. The mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are a whole lot more resources now than there were when I was going through it, for sure. But we, we yeah. sort of still have a long way to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you still have so many people out here that don't really recognize the fact that they're in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And a yeah. lot of people don't want to get involved Yes. with somebody that's in an abusive relationship because they, you know, well, you know, they're going to wind up going back to them anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, and they well, don't want to pick. Too, you know. Yeah, they don't want to put their stuff in harm's way trying to help somebody that's in that situation, Mm you know. So it's like really... Well, and then the thing that I've seen over the years, again, that's been a big stumbling block has been um, who should we believe? You know, you can't tell. There's no way to Mm -hmm. tell who's telling the truth. But I just have to say, like, I would I would go, um, you know, every now and then there's somebody who cries wolf and they really are not being abused. But for the yeah. most part, what would somebody really gain from crying out and saying that they're being abused, especially when it turns on them a lot of times, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that, you know, 90% of the people who are coming to you and telling you, this is abusive, it's probably really abusive. Um, and there's mm-hmm. really no advantage to them for making it up. Um, the other right. ones well, well, who might yeah, be making true. it up, they've got some serious mental issues, and maybe somewhere in their life they were abused. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, or yeah. I mean, we see people faking it in order to get into the shelter sometimes, but wow. it's a different story than you know going to your church and saying I've you know been abused mm. and just making that up. So wow. Anyway. Well, I'm getting. I'm going to wrap up this show now, and I always end my show with the serenity prayer. And okay. it goes, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, 
enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. And I want to say to you, Joy Foster, thank you so much for sharing your story with us on the Recovery Corner Blog Talk Radio Show. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure having you on the show. And on three, we're going to say good night to everyone. One, two, three. Good night, everyone. And thank you for joining us on the Recovery Corner Blog Talk Radio Show. Good night, Joy. Good night. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. Thank you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.